Hi, everybody. All right. Hi, welcome to your Friday. You're listening to Crooked News, where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and occasionally a listener story. And uh, we got to get through this kind of quick because I can't breathe and Gary's got a baby to feed. So, yep. (laughs) (laughs) So go, go, go. Yeah. (laughs) I have three very quick articles. Uh, This first one is from Queer Outfitters. Um, It was posted. Queer Outfitters? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, just making sure I heard you right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, It was posted yesterday, um, which was November 9th. Anti-gay pastor who blamed homosexuality and quote-unquote lack of virgins for COVID-19. What? Has died from COVID-19. Good. (laughs) He sounds like, that sounds like evolution. Yes. (laughs) Anti- Wow. What a dumbass. Yeah. You're right. Science is caused. (laughs) Is caused by- no virgins and homos. You're correct, sir. Yes. It's the origin of all disease, actually. I don't know why scientists don't know that. <laughs> How dare they even idiot. science anymore? Wow, what an idiot. Anti-LGBTQ plus televangelist. So this man was on TV. Oh, um, no. Is this the guy that was blowing and saying to blow COVID away from you? Because that happened, too. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that would be mentioned here, and it's not. Um, but in March, Baxter claimed that, er, sorry, uh, his name was Irvin Baxter Jr. And he died from COVID-19. <clears throat> his name was Irwin Baxter Jr. <laughs> in, sure it was. Yes. In March, Baxter claimed that a lack of virgins and homosexuality was to blame for the virus. He said, 5% of new brides in America are virgins. That means 95% have already committed fornication. He also cited 1 Corinthians 6, which opposes homosexuals and the sexually immoral. Baxter continued, God may be using this as a wake-up call. This coronavirus may be a privilege, because I will tell you right now, there is a much bigger judgment coming. Oh my god. Um... Baxter appeared on the Christian television show End of the Age. He also founded Pentecostal Christian organization End Time Ministries. Oh my god. Also worth noting, Baxter was a staunch Trump supporter who said those who oppose Trump are not only deeply inhumane, but also satanic. Oh wow. Yeah. So he's also a huge so he's a huge idiot. <laughs> yes. He was 75 years old, which kind of explains it Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and white apparently Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) (laughs) uh so this next one it's probably my favorite (laughs) he was like i am either married or i am a virgin and i'm not gay so i won't catch covid was that his thing i guess so oh my god i'm looking him up oh they don't have a more recent picture hang on pause All right, so this next one is probably my favorite. (laughs) Um, This is from OzarksFirst.com, and it was written by Michael Holland for Fox News, uh, posted November 8th, 2020. Um, Woman demands free Chick-fil-A after claiming she's an FBI agent and gets arrested. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Somebody goes sad. 
Okay, so Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Chick-fil-A happened. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. So free food isn't worth getting arrested over. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Authorities arrested a woman in Dallas, Georgia, after she allegedly tried to convince restaurant workers that she was an FBI agent and should get free food. But also, like, FBI agents don't get free food. No, they do not. <laughs> they still pay for their food. <laughs> I don't know where she got that idea. but That's so weird. <laughs> uh, even when police officers arrived, the woman apparently continued to claim she was a federal agent. What? <laughs> Can Let we- it go, honey. Um, so... She was trying to pull this shit. Her name's Kimberly George Ragsdale. The employees were apparently not convinced and called 911 to report the woman. And this is not the first time she has attempted to get free food and has threatened to arrest employees what? when they don't provide the food. Um, oh my god. When officers arrived, Ragsdale reportedly continued to claim that she was a federal agent. She allegedly told officers that she had no identification because her credentials were electronic only. Wow. You made yourself a blog saying that you were an FBI agent. That's what you did. Oh, my God. You Uh, know who doesn't tell people they're an FBI agent? FBI FBI agents. agents. (laughs) (laughs) Officers placed Ragsdale in handcuffs and arrested her. She reportedly pretended to talk to a supposed radio in her shirt, reporting that she was being arrested and that the FBI needed to send someone to the Rockmart Police Department. <laughs> um, wow. According to an arrest report, Ragsdale was charged with impersonating a public officer. Yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> no, someone's Ooh, upset. Baby coughs. <laughs> <laughs> And this last one, we return to Florida, man. Um, Yay! <laughs> this is from the Miami Herald by Gwen Filosa. Um, and it was published November 4th, 2020. Someone questioned a, driver, a driver's penis size, so he flashed a gun. I'm sorry? <laughs> a Florida Keys man was jailed Halloween night after police said he threatened a man with a handgun while in his Jeep on Duval Street. Oh my gosh. The reason for the gun flash? Someone questioned the size of the driver's penis after he revved the Jeep's engine, according to the police report. You, uh, I would do that. Yeah. You must say, what are you compensating for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you must have a small dick, the driver said he was told. Uh, Dustin Allen Coons, 21, who was listed in the police report. You know. What else makes people think you have a small dick? What? Is flashing a gun when someone asks if you had a small dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, who is listed in the police report as a student living on Ramrod Key was arrested on felony charges of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, carrying a concealed weapon, and dealing in stolen property. He was also arrested wow. on a misdemeanor charge of driving without a valid driver's license. Sounds like a small dick to me. Yep. Uh, Toby Keaton of Coral Springs told um, of Coral Springs told police he was in his vehicle in front of Coons's Jeep when he heard Coons racing the engine. Uh, Keaton said he got out and approached Coons and asked him why he was doing it. In response, Coons began swearing at Keaton and pulled a nine millimeter Smith and Wesson handgun. 
Wow. Um, Coons held the gun sideways while pointing it in his direction. I flashed a gun at him, so I was protecting myself. Police said Coons no. told them. No. No, you weren't. Protecting yourself from what? A question? <laughs> he said... As to why you were being obnoxious as shit? <laughs> Keaton apparently said he was in fear for his life. Uh, no, he no. wasn't. Oh, the the guy that got out and talked to this guy. Was. Oh, okay. Yeah, the was. guy who was getting a gun flashed at him. Yes. Yeah. Sh- yes. You were. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was Florida Man for you today. Are you okay, honey? Poor saying. Hang on. Sorry. I think she, I think she choked. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hi, Vivi. Okay. There you go. Okay. Oh, those were excellent. <laughs> Weren't they? Sorry. And then you were interrupted by some very cute little coughs. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Let's take a quick break. Okay. All right. We're back. So I was inspired by our circumstances, uh-huh. um, being that we're in a pandemic. And um, also inspired by my favorite murder, because they actually revisited this story in their most recent episode. Okay. Um, it's actually two of my favorite stories that they, they did. They, they like, rehashed oh, nice. in their newest episode. And one of them was Karen's telling of... No, not Karen's, sorry. George's telling of Typhoid Mary. So oh, yes. I'm not going to do nearly as good of a job. but um, And we're going to keep it pretty darn short. But um, so I decided... Are you Okay. Woo! Okay, so we're going to keep this quick. So, um, this was a Mental Floss article called Super Spreader, The Strange Story of Typhoid Mary. So this was written by Ellen Gutowski. Um, Gutowski, maybe? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was published March 20th of 2020. So, here we go. You ready? Yeah. All right, so in the winter of 1906, Mrs. George Thompson... Called doc- called upon Dr. George Soper, known around New York as an epidemic fighter, to <laughs> which is awesome yes. and a fake job, um, to investigate the source of a typhoid outbreak that had occurred among renters in her Oyster Bay summer home several months pl- prior. Oh, no. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. After finding no issue with the well, which, of course, we know that typhoid is spread through water mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time. It's like dirty water or um, food and, and water that's contaminated with um, feces, which oh. is nasty. Uh-huh. Uh, f- feces of people who have typhoid. Um, that's how it's spread, which is disgusting. So, which means um, that someone was not washing their hands. Yep. Wash your hands. Um, after finding no issue with the well, the outhouse, the food supplies, or any other part of the property that might have generated germs, Soper considered the possibility that the carrier could have been a healthy person, an idea that wasn't widely accepted at the time. So this is the first time of, like, the asymptomatic carrier, which is what we're fighting right now, which is why everyone needs to wear a fucking mask. Yeah. Because you don't know. And not go to huge parties and bring yes. it into your workplace. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Soper. Do, 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 do. I already said that. Okay. By process of elimination, he landed on a likely culprit. The cook. <laughs> a 37-year-old woman named Mary Mallon. So Mallon described by the, by the other servants as, quote, not particularly clean unquote yeah which is not a quality that you want in a cook 
Um, had arrived at the Thompson home on August 3rd, 1906. Just weeks later, between August 27th and, and September 3rd, six of the house's 11 occupants had contracted typhoid fever. Jesus. Yeah, so like a couple weeks later after she got hired, everyone's fucking sick. Yeah. I think we've narrowed it down. <laughs> um, though most of her dishes were hot and prepared at a temperature that would have killed any bacteria, Mallet had served ice cream with fresh peaches one oh, Sunday, no. which some of the house guests ate with gusto. Yeah, so none of that's cooked, so it's cold and the bacteria is thriving in it. But ice cream with peaches sounds delicious. Um, Not okay. right now. <laughs> Not now, it doesn't, know. Um, before searching for Malin, her Malin herself, Soper followed her trail of employment all the way back to September 1900. Oh, no. Unearthing a total of seven households in New York and Maine that had suffered typhoid outbreaks during Malin's tenure. So, like, it's almost like everywhere she goes, an outbreak, ha an outbreak happens, and then she leaves and goes somewhere else. This is so, why we now have background checks on the internet. Oh, my God. Quote, in nearly every instance, a well-to-do and socially prominent family soon after moving from the city to the country for the summer experienced an outbreak of typhoid fever. In no instance had its cause been satisfactorily explained. Soper recounted in the bulletin of the Soper recounted in the bulletin of the New York Academy of Medicine, the cook always left soon afterward. She had never been suspected because she's not sick. Yeah, she's asymptomatic. So Soper decided it was time to track Malin down. <laughs> so the next subtitle is a mean, unclean quarantine queen. <laughs> <laughs> In early 1907, Soper paid Malin a visit in Manhattan, in an old-fashioned house on Park Avenue and 60th Street, where she was working once again as a cook. Of course. I was as diplomatic as possible, but I had to say I suspected her of making people sick, and that I wanted specimens for, from <laughs> of her urine, feces, and blood, Soper wrote. So that's not really something you just drop into conversation. I'm sure she, he was, like, screaming at her. Yeah. She was also, I'm pretty sure she was an Irish immigrant, so that didn't help oh, no. her. Um, did not help her case. That didn't, it did, well, it didn't help the fact that she probably felt that she was being prejudiced against. Yeah. That she was being oppressed in some way, and it also probably didn't help in his interaction with her, because he was probably very condescending and rude. Yeah. Um, so, Malin seized a carving fork and chased Soper from the president from the premises. Me. Don't blame you, babe. Right? Don't blame you. Same. Um, after another unsuccessful attempt to reason with Malin, Soper asked New York City's Department of Health to intervene. So Dr. Sarah Josephine Baker, woman doctor, high five, um, came calling came calling at the Park Avenue estate, and Malin made a run for it evading capture for three hours <laughs> before police found her in a neighbor's shed and deposited her into an ambulance. The oh, ride honey. Down to the yeah. The ride down to the hospital was quite a wild one, Dr. Baker recalled. Malin was taken to an isolation ward at Willard Parker Hospital, and doctors tested her feces three times a week between March 20th and November 16th, 1907. Salmonella enterecta enterica... Sure. Um, wait. Salmonella enterica enterica servor typhi. 
That's the bacteria that causes typhoid was found in nearly every sample. Oh, no. Soper visited Malin at the hospital to explain why she had been confined for so long and also to determine the possibility of securing her release. Mm -hmm. Quote, when you go to the toilet, the germs which grow within your body get upon your fingers. And when you handle food and cooking, they get on the food. People who eat this food swallow the germs and get sick, he told her. Quote, if you would wash your hands after leaving the toilet and before cooking, there might be no trouble. You don't keep your hands clean enough. Malin, frustrated and lonely, wasn't very receptive to his advice and refused to give doctors permission to remove her gallbladder, which they suspected was the source of the germs. There, which, fair. It was 19... It was the 1900s. Like, yeah. no one's doing surgery on me. Um, there but was a good chance... Could you wash your hands, please? Just wash your hands! There's a good chance that this was true, since, the recent, scient- since recent scientific studies have shown that many asymptomatic typhoid carriers store typhoid bacteria in their gallbladders. When their gallbladders empty bile into their small intestines, some of the bacteria goes with it, and then that gets, extract- it, that gets excreted into their stool. Quote, no knife will be put upon me, Malin told the doctors who requested to remove it. Quote, I've nothing to, I've nothing the matter with my gallbladder. So she pro- and also like, let's be real, like no one knew anything about this kind of stuff, like yeah. in the general public, like only doctors knew it and no one's like reading shit like that. No one has like informa- information at their fingertips like they do, like we do today. Yeah. So there was no CDC guidelines out there. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing. Not even misinformation. Like, she was just like, I'm not sick. Leave me alone. But also, like, there's been a clear pattern as well. So, partially just being stubborn, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, soon after that meeting, Malin was relocated to a bungalow near Riverside Hospital on New York's North North Brother Island. Her quarters, originally built for superintendent, for the superintendent of nurses were more spacious and more comfortable, but Malin was still treated like a dangerous outcast. Isolated from the rest of the island's inhabitants, and she was isolated from the rest of the island's inhabitants. Remy, quit. She's sucking her thumb, just so everyone knows. That's what that sound is, (laughs) if you can hear it. Um, Two years after her arrest on Park Avenue, Malin sued the Department of Health, claiming that she had been imprisoned without due process of law. In fact, she hadn't even been accused of a crime. I mean, like, murder would come to my mind, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Dr. William H. Park, the bacteriologist who had tested Malin's feces, took the stand to explain how Malin, though seemingly healthy herself, was an asymptomatic typhoid carrier. Both sides presented compelling arguments, but the court simply didn't want the responsibility of determining whether Malin was fit to rejoin society. Just wash your hands. (laughs) Uh, That's all you had to do. That's literally all she had to do. They dismissed the case altogether, and a defeated Malin returned to North Brother Island. Remy, quit, honey. Life as a culinary renegade. (laughs) On February, in February 1910, Riverside Hospital finally decided to release Malin on the condition that she promised not to work as a cook and, quote, take such hygienic precautions as will protect those from whom she comes in contact from infection, i.e., Wash your fucking hands, bitch. (laughs) She agreed to the terms and left the island. What she didn't do was keep her word. For the next (laughs) five years. Because why would she do that? No. 
For the next five years, Malin flitted from kitchen to kitchen in the area, introducing herself as Mary Breshoff or Mrs. Brown. She cooked in a restaurant on Broadway. In a restaurant! Oh, God. In a hotel in Southampton and an inn in Huntington and a sanatorium in New Jersey. Oh, no. Typhoid followed Malin wherever she went, but she never stayed in one place long enough to rouse suspicion. So she knows what she's doing at this point. Yeah. That is until 1915 when Dr. Edward B. Cragen, Cragen? Cragen? Sure. Solicited Soper's help in detecting the case of a typhoid outbreak at New York's Sloan Hospital for Women. More than 20 people had fallen ill, and the other servants had been calling, had been, t- had taken to calling the cook Typhoid Mary. <laughs> a sobr, a sob, I don't know this word. Sobriquet? that newspapers had used for Malin during her solitary confinement. After Soper positively identified the woman he knew to be Mary Malin, the hospital alerted the Department of Health and Malin was whisked right back to North Brother Island, and this time she didn't resist. She knew what she did. Yeah. The lonely legacy of America's most famous asymptomatic carrier. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Malin lived out her remaining 23 years in the lonely riverbank bungalow, processing tests in the hospital laboratory and making occasional sojourns to Queens to visit a family that she was friendly with. According to Soper, it's not bad. No. If she just, if she had just washed her hands. Just wash your hands, She wouldn't have had to deal with that. No. According to Soper, quote, they were not particularly glad to see her, (laughs) unquote. She suffered a stroke in 1932 and passed away at the age of 69 on November 11th, 1938. Only nine people attended her funeral because everyone else she knew was dead from typhoid. (laughs) Um, In total, Malin was officially responsible for infecting 53 people with typhoid. Three of whom died, though there were likely many more that were unreported. While her commitment to good hygiene may have been lacking, the fact that she was oft- so often treated like a pariah no doubt exacerbated her unwillingness to cooperate with doctors and other health and other health officials. Um, for many, including Malin herself, it was simply difficult to believe that a perfectly healthy person who had never even been inflicted with a terrifying disease could somehow pass it on to dozens of others. Yeah, this was crazy. Quote, it was to be Mary Mallon's fate to clear away much of the mystery which surrounded the transmission of typhoid fever and to call attention to the fact that it was often persons rather than rather than things who offered to who offered the proper explanation. Wait, what? It was the fact that it was often persons rather than things who offered the proper explanation when the disease occurred in epidemic, sporadic and epidemic form. Soper wrote, I don't know what any of that means, but sure. Um, (laughs) Malin, however begrudgingly, charted a new path for scientists studying communicable diseases. No, baby, you're fine. And taught the rest of us just how important it is to wash our fucking hands. Yes, I added the fucking. (laughs) (laughs) I added the fucking. I did, yes. Oh, goodness. Made it sexy. Yes. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Everybody say hi to... Say hi to Remy. <laughs> hi, Remy. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Can't wait to meet her when I'm not sick. Oh, oh I know, right? <laughs> yeah. 
She's very snuggly. No. Oh, goodness. All right. She got hungry, guys. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. Stay safe. And remember, you are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things Cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.